This is Cultivating Convos with the Ohio Department of Agriculture. And it's fun to have everyone else kind of get a little insight into what we do. Farmland forever. Actually, that was the next question I was going to ask you. Shelby, <laughs> let's wrap <laughs> this thing up. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to Cultivating Convos, the Ohio Department of Agriculture's weekly podcast. We are glad to have you back. I'm Shelby Croft, as always, and with me today is Megan Harshberger. How are you doing, Megs? Doing okay. We're nearly through the week. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. So, I can't complain. Holidays next week. Yeah, we're doing okay. I know. And we have some great guests on today. We, are, uh, we have a laboratory here, the ADDL for short. And uh, we have a few guests from the laboratory on to talk about something very important. We do. We um, actually have three guests. I don't know that we've had three before, Shelby, but this week we do. And we're talking about World Antimicrobial Awareness Week. That's what we're talking about. Nailed it. Um, So on with us today, we have uh, Dr. Richard French. We have Dr. Jean Cui. And we have Dominika Yurkovic. I I can take that from the top. So... World Antimicrobial Awareness Week was initiated back in 2015. There's actually three organizations that that manage this, and those are the World Health Organization, the United Nations Food and Agricultural Organization, or FAO, and what's called the OIE, which is actually the World Organization for Animal Health. So those three parties are involved in establishing the World Antimicrobial uh, Awareness Week, which actually originally was called the World Antibiotic Awareness Week. But we've expanded from antibiotics because we think of those as just targeting bacteria, but it's really antimicrobial because we're talking about drugs that target bacteria, viruses, fungi, and even parasites. So why is this important, A, to all of the nation, all of the world, and why is it important that we at ODA and ADDL recognize this week as well? I'll go go ahead and and answer this because these are the easy questions. I'll let uh, Dr. Kui and and, uh, Dominique handle the more technical questions. Dr. French, you're not supposed to admit that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, but there's always expertise in any laboratory and there there are experts in this area. So, So when we look at this, the use of antimicrobials, so drugs that are specific for bacteria, viruses and parasites and fungi, they're used across all industries. So we normally know of them being used in human health. You go to the doctor, you go home with an antibiotic, or these days, if you have COVID, Pfizer's coming out with an antiviral soon for COVID. So we know these drugs occur in the human sector, but we also use these in animal health. If your dog goes into the veterinarian, you might come home with an antibiotic. If we have problems at a dairy farm, they might be using antibiotics on that dairy farm, and we want to make sure they don't get into the milk. And they're also used in other agricultural sectors. So if you're talking about livestock, certainly we use antimicrobials, but we also use them uh, in crops because there are bacteria, viruses, and fungi that attack crops as well. So they're used across all of these sectors, human health, animal health, and plant health. 
and that's where we we get involved in having this kind of collaborative effort across these these agencies that cover all of these. I guess my follow up question, just from honestly a layman's perspective, why the awareness? What are what what uh, do we want to be aware of regarding antimicrobials or antibiotics? So, so I'm going to keep talking until someone else pipes in. <laughs> Dr. Brenda is just going to take these. But actually, actually, over the the last couple of decades, there's been a higher incidence of organisms that are resistant to the drugs that we have to treat them. And and that is a problem. So if you go into the hospital and you get a what's called a pseudomonas pneumonia, they might not be able to treat that pneumonia and it will kill people. There's about 35 to 40,000 people a year that die because they get bacterial infections that we cannot treat. And that's a problem. And if I just list off some of the organisms that are considered to be critical or high priority because we know there are resistant strains. I just mentioned Pseudomonas, but you're probably more familiar with Staph, Staphylococcal infections, Streptococcal infections, Campylobacter, which we dealt with just recently within the ADDL, Salmonella, uh, E. coli, uh, reproductive diseases such as gonorrhea, there are all resistant organisms within these groups of organisms, and that's of critical concern for the human health sector, but it's also a problem in, in animal production and pets. And maybe Dominique or uh, Dr. Kui, if one of you want to answer just how, you know, how does this happen? How do microbes become resistant? I'll take that one. So uh, microbiome, well, we'll talk about bacteria specifically. So I think to answer how they become resistant, you have to kind of understand what antibiotics target in bacteria uh, first. So bacteria um, have a couple of nice targets that antibiotics like to use to basically stop their growth. And if you stop the bacteria from growing, you have ended the infection. A couple of those ways is targeting cell features. So cells have kind of your cell wall, which is what they protects them from their environment. And then when you take a step inside, bacteria do the same processes that humans do. They just do it a little bit differently. So bacteria have to make proteins. They have to replicate their DNA. They have to do metabolism. So antibiotics, in, in essence, target different aspects of either cell function or cell feature. And so when bacteria are exposed to antibiotics, they, they treat that as a selective pressure. And, you know, if they don't come up with defense mechanisms, they're going to be, they're going to succumb to the antibiotic and not be able to proliferate. And as I tell my students all the time, the main motivation of bacteria is to be able to replicate and spread. That's, that's what they like to do. Um, so if a bacteria sees the selective pressure of an antibiotic, it's going to start to change mechanisms to either but go around those targets, change their cell wall so the antibiotic doesn't know where it's going. Some bacteria can actually pump out antibiotics as soon as it gets in the cell. Um, so there's a lot of different features. And then the problem is bacteria, once they develop a defense mechanism, they're able to share that mechanism with other microbes. And this is where, where you can get um, resistance starting to spread amongst different types of bacteria. and that can then spread also from community to community, country to country. 
So we've seen, um, obviously, I think most people are aware of this over the last several years that it, doctors have been not uh, prescribing antibiotics as often as they previously had. Uh, and I, I believe, you know, obviously I'm not the scientist here, but you know, that that is a way to, to cut down on this in humans. I guess my question would be, what are you doing for the animal world? So I, I think uh, a big part of what we do here in the bacteriology section is culturing these samples to look for whether or not there's significant pathogenic bacteria that are making these animals sick. And when that happens, we can actually do antibiotic testing to determine what drugs would be appropriate. Um, so it's all about appropriate use of antibiotics. No one's saying we shouldn't use them. What we're saying is we should use drugs that are actually effective. Um, and so in the lab, if we, you know, say we have a, a lung tissue and we isolate a significant respiratory pathogen, we would do sensitivity testing. And then we'd be able to tell the vet, here are the drugs that are most likely going to be the most effective. And I think on the, the vet side, and, and maybe Dr. French could correct me if I'm wrong since I, I've never been a vet, um, but it's also about the dosage and how long you treat the animal. That's also another important part of um, proper antibiotic use. So a key for the lab is diagnostics, being able to get results, and also um, contributing to programs that kind of trace how are we doing with resistance? Are we seeing organisms that are becoming resistant to multiple drug classes? And that basically means to antibiotics that target different aspects of the cell. So um, there's an important role in the lab in, in playing a role in that antibiotic stewardship, as we call it. Why is this, why should people care about this? I mean, for themselves and then maybe, you know, for animals and pets as well. Why, why care? Why well, I think that the simple and maybe dramatic answer to that is if, if you don't have antibiotics that are effective and, and you get a bacterial infection, if, if there are no options for treatment, you may, you may pass away from that type of infection. I mean, if you think about when we discovered antibiotics in the nine, late 1920s, Fleming discovering penicillin for mold was really a huge advancement. And then, you know, within 20 years, you already saw resistance. So discovering these things is great and making antibiotics is great. But if they're not going to work, then what are your options as a patient? And that would still be, that would also mean a, a veterinary patient as in the animals. Dr. Kui, I would love for to hear you weigh in on this and your thoughts on this week. Yeah, um, bacteria um, is uh, programmed to survive. So if um, they have a different mechanism to survive, so like uh, Dr. French and uh, Dominica mentioned that uh, they they just the program for survive and become resistant. So we have to really one of the um, serious uh, crisis uh, right now we are facing this antibiotic resistance. So so it was initiated in in 2015, uh, and that was again with the World Health Organization, United Nations, FAO, and. Uh, the World Animal Health Organization, and and it's just evolved since then. So just to give you a perspective, since since 2000, so in the last two decades, there's been a 50% increase in the use of antimicrobials. And the concern is some of this increase is misuse or inappropriate use or unjustified use. 
an example of that, for example, is in in the food animal industry, agricultural industry, antibiotics were often used as what are called growth promotants. So when you have young piglets, you would add antibiotics to their feed. It would be classified as a growth promotant, but it's really an antibiotic at low dose, whereas is a situation where you can potentially develop resistance. And actually within the industry, we now have what's called veterinary feed uh, directives. And these veterinary feed directives regulate the use of antibiotics in feeds as feed additives. These are the kind of initiatives that have taken taken place, but it's really been in the last two decades that we've seen the significance of the emergence of uh, a term that hasn't come up here yet is the so-called superbugs. I don't know if you've heard superbugs. These are these are organisms that can evade most of what we have in our ar arsenal to treat them and they evolved in different areas of the world. They evolved in the United States um, and and they can be, they're, they're life-threatening. Uh, if you get this infection and some of these are, it's gonorrhea, it's a urinary tract infection. You get this infection, you can't treat it and you die from that, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, there was one thing that was touched on uh, a little bit earlier that I would really like uh, you all to expand on a little bit. Um, the One Health approach, you know, I, I, we've heard all of you talk about it before, but if you could talk a little bit more so our audience could hear about that, that'd be great. There's some uh, innovation through One Health approach um, because this approach yeah, is uh, brings together multiple sectors engaging um, including human, animal, plant health, also include food, feed, and the environment to work together in the design and the implementation of uh, um, the program, policy, legislation, and the research to get better public health outcomes. So like uh, Dr. French mentioned that uh, this week, be in a different level. So at the global level, um, international level, um, um, there's uh, like uh, four steps so far I summarized. Uh, um, first uh, um, is uh, through this uh, um, awareness like we did this right now. And uh, secondly is um, a global antimicrobial resistance surveillance system is called abbreviated uh, as a GLAS. So this is the um, WHO supports a standardized um, um, approach to collection, analyze, and share data related to the antimicrobial resistance at a global level. Um, to inform decision-making, drive local and national regional action. And then third one is um, global antimicrobial research and the development uh, partnership. So a kind of a joint initiative of WHO and uh, Drugs for Neglected uh, Disease Initiative. So several um, approach uh, uh, at that level through public private partnerships. So it's expected by 2023, the partnership aimed to develop and deliver up to four new treatments. Drug company or commercial is uh, 
for antibiotic uh, develop new antibiotic development is kind of a low profit for them because for like a drug uh, um, diabetic or or heart disease that maybe people use for long term or sometimes maybe lifetime but for antibiotic uh, the reason for that is uh, short term and uh, and the drug uh, resistant is uh, developed pretty quick so um, usually the funding is short a private company doesn't like to do that so um, Funding is uh, at the global um, level is uh, important to partnership. And then lastly, um, interagency coordination group on antibiotic resistance uh, um, at the United Nations level. So hopefully, you know, a podcast like this would help, but how do we spread awareness about, about this week? What do we need to do? Education, outreach? What do you guys think? Yeah, there's a... Um, some advice or for veterinary um, from our labs, um, ODA, um, for veterinary and uh, how to protect your patients um, to just uh, um, because uh, veterinary uh, leaders and the sourcing, um, preserving the effective, effectiveness of antibiotics for animal and people. So there's the following step uh, we just uh, recommend or uh, advise them to do is uh, prevent disease. And uh, secondly, clean your hand and equipment and uh, um, maintain accurate record of your treatment and outcome and uh, select antibiotic, use antibiotic appropriately, um, following regulation requirement um, just like a Dr. French just mentioned that uh, veterinary adjective, um, so um, that uh, the new regulations um, stay current and uh, and for new prescription and prescription guideline and the prevent uh, environment contamination and uh, and the commitment to the antibiotic stewardship like Dominica just mentioned. And there's another advice for the livestock and um, um, poultry producer uh, to protect uh, people and the animals. Work close with your veterinary and keep the animal healthy and uh, use anti antibiotic exactly as uh, prescribed and protect yourself and your workers. Good, yeah. good advice, and I, I know this is something, I mean, Meg's, um, I believe you've worked with um, several other of our veterinarians uh, talking about uh, the subject before. I know that we have a video out there and we have more information on our website as well. So all, all good information, definitely. Is there anything else you all wanted to touch on before we close things up here? Well, I would say that, you know, one of the things that we do within the ADDL is provide resources to our customers. And so this would be producers, pet owners, uh, and basically the animal health sector, but we also provide information and material to the public health sector. Um, because we're a diagnostic lab, we're at that junction of getting in diagnostic material and identifying or helping to identify the best treatments for that animal. And part of that is testing the bacteria to see what drug will work best. 
And that's a part of this stewardship. And that's one of the roles we play in this. Another big role that we play, and it's been touched on by Dr. Kui, is, is data. Whenever we get an organism and we see characteristics of drug resistance, we report that to a national network that then connects to a world network. And all that data is, is available worldwide. And that's really what helps us uh, stay ahead of these situations. But the lab's here to help the veterinary community, help our producers identify the best road forward for treatment of any disease that they might have. Very important work we do at ODA and of course within ADDL. So we appreciate all of your expertise um, on the topic. Thank you for being here. We appreciate you joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And thanks to everyone out there who listens every week. We appreciate it. Have a great week. You. Uh, <laughs> see, you. see you next time. Cultivating Convos is created by ODA's communications team. Make sure to hit subscribe to get the latest episodes in your feed and like ODA on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for up-to-date news about agriculture in Ohio.